Thank you, choir, worship ministry, uh, Mandy, for that great song. Just a reminder, the promise that God has given us to be with us no matter what we face. Well, today we're kind of in the middle of a six-week, I guess you could say a six-week series. The previous three weeks, I talked about Christian marriage. And uh, uh, today and for the next two weeks, I'm going to talk about Christian parenting. So really, six weeks about Christian family. My text today is an unlikely one. Uh, it's in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and I invite you to go ahead and open your Bibles there as we uh, kind of step, step into this introductory sermon about Christian parenting. Now, most of you know that as the, uh, the Parkinson's, we've got six kids at the house. I mean, there is always something going on at the Parkinson crib. I mean, it might be someone crying, it might be laughing, uh, it might be uh, running kids back and forth to ball games or practices or uh, getting last minute school stuff done, but it is all, there's always something happening. I have a lot of people living in my house. I often say it's me, it's Kelly, six kids, two dogs, and Kelly's mother-in-law. I mean, it is, there is always something that's happening and taking place at the Parkinson's house. Well, as you can imagine, having that many kids, I mean, we have a lot of memories. And uh, this past week, Kelly posted a reel on Facebook that showed our kids whenever they were young and then our kids where they are now. And I mean, I was just flooded with all the memories, all the joys, all the highlights for each and every child. We've had so many fun times together over the past 16 years of, of being parents. And, uh, you know, children are just a blessing. Amen? Children are a blessing. And when you think about just the amount of joy that they bring into your life, you can't help but disagree with the world who thinks children are a burden. God's Word shows us clearly that children are a blessing. All those families that lined up on the stage and, and dedicated uh, the, their children to the Lord. Children are an absolute blessing from God. But parenting is hard. Amen? I mean, parenting is hard. Uh, sleepless nights whenever you bring home that infant that somehow from the womb wants to sleep during the day and stay up all night coordinating the sleeping schedules and then after they become toddlers getting into everything and breaking your Christmas decorations I mean they turn in as soon as they start walking they turn into those little tornadoes and then when they start driving oh my goodness my first driver, I had my first driver this year, and it wasn't Kelly, who's typically the safety police, that was real worried. I was just on edge. Every time he would leave, you know, I'm sitting there tracking him on Life 360. Please, Lord, don't let me get a crash notification, you know. I mean, it's hard. Now, when even, even parents, those of you parents who've sent your kids off to college, is that difficult? I mean, taking them and removing them from your home and packing up all that stuff and sending them off to college, being out of your house. I can't imagine how difficult that is. And I can't help but also imagine that there's still some parenting responsibilities that you have even after your children are grown, they've moved out of the house, they have their own job, they're self-sustaining, They even, even when they have kids of their own. I can't imagine, grandparents, that you would probably say that there's still some parenting that's going on even though your kids are now grown with families of their own. 
a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure for us to make sure that we do it right. Make sure, I mean, it's, it's a big responsibility. So I want to ask you this question, parents. For those of you who have kids that are still living at home, my question for you is, what is your vision for your children? How, how do you want to see them turn out? Because, you know, that's the goal. The goal is to launch children, not keep them in your house forever, to actually launch them. The Bible talks about shooting them out into this world like arrows, that we're to launch them and send them out. And if you've lived any amount of life, you know that there's, there's a lot out there that our kids are going to face whenever they grow up. How will we prepare them and equip them? What do we want them to be like? Because I sit there and I think in my mind, there's so many things that they need to know that I can't teach them, like math. You know, I need somebody, I, I need somebody to help me with that. But there's all types of things that I don't know about you, but I just feel ill-equipped to prepare my kids for. I think about everything that they need to know about relationships and marriage. And I feel this pressure, this tension to help prepare them for that. I think about how our kids need to know a work ethic. They need to grow up and know what kind of job they're going to have. I mean, there's all types of things, all of these pressures. And some of these things that they need, I, I, need, I need help from my church family. Uh, some of these things that I know that my kids need, I need to call upon my church family. I need to call upon you know people that, that can help with certain things that I know that I can't do on my own. You know that old adage, it takes a tribe. It takes a tribe to raise a kid. When we, when we dedicated these parents uh, and these babies up front, there were, some, there were some little tribes gathered around those families, family members of those families who formed that tribe. But we're also, as a church body, we're kind of one big tribe, and we, and we help each other. And we delegate certain things to other people that we feel ill-equipped for, like in my case, math. And so much and so much other stuff. But there are some things that as a parent, and this is important, there's some things as a parent that you cannot delegate. There's some things as a parent that you have to do directly and that God has called you specifically, mom and dad called you specifically to do. And I bet you could think a lot of things that you, can't, that you can't delegate to others. But the main thing that I want to talk to you about today, that you cannot delegate to someone else, is their training in godliness. You cannot delegate that to your church body. You cannot turn them over to a Sunday school teacher and say, train my kid how to be godly. That's not something that God has designed that you would just dismiss or pawn off to other people to train them in. And so I want to give you my simple definition of Christian parenting. I like things simple, you know, being from Mississippi. Christian parenting is training children in godliness through personal example. That's really, the, that's really the theme of what I want to talk to you about today because there's a difference between being a good parent and being a Christian parent. Being a good parent, well, you teach them how to make their bed. You teach them to have a good work ethic. You know, you show them how to brush their teeth. You know, you make them, make them feel secure. You make them feel safe. You make them feel loved. All of those things any good parent and hopefully all great parents would do. 
But a Christian parent is concerned more than just about helping a, a child to flourish in this world and be productive and successful and stable and make good grades and know how to throw a ball. A Christian parent has to do more than that. A Christian parent has to do things that help their kids to be, well, Christian. Makes sense, right? And th this is what I want to distinguish uh, today as we look at this passage in 2 Timothy. I want to introduce you to a young man that I think every parent could be proud of. His name's Timothy, and we see him in Scripture as we're introduced to him in Scripture. He's, he's pretty young, and most of the things that are written to Timothy or about Timothy are at a point in time in his life when he is, he's, 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 still, he's still fairly young. And he ended up being a Christian young adult that many of us as parents could look at him and say, man, I, I, I would be proud to have a kid like that. And the reason that he turned out the way that he did was not because of the Apostle Paul, who was a good missionary. Although Paul played a, 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 pretty, a pretty strong influence in his life. Some people think that Paul led him to Christ, but if what we read here today is true, we can see that this Christian faith that Timothy adopted, that made him into such a great Christian person, didn't come through a Christian missionary who traveled around and started churches, but rather came from a godly mother and a godly grandmother. Let's stand and read these verses in 2 Timothy today. 2 Timothy chapter, two, uh, chapter 1, and we'll just begin in verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul talking to his young protege. Obviously, he's very proud of him, and he's a, a traveling companion, but he says something so important uh, in one of these verses that I'll point out to you. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Now, now look what he says in verse 5. Really, verse 5 Everything that I'm going to say to you today is really just is, is embedded in my heart through verse 5. It says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Let's pray. God, we want to be good parents. I know that many of us here today have already launched children and our kids are grown. We want to be good parents. We want to be good grandparents. Lord, for the parents in the room, I pray, Lord, that you would just open their mind to your words today. And uh, Lord, just speak to them in whatever fashion pleases you. And we offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, Timothy was obviously a popular person in Scripture. Two books are named after him, written by the Apostle Paul. 
uh, traveling, uh, uh, Timothy was a, was a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul. But he was such a trusted companion of Paul, Paul actually left him behind in a city called Ephesus where, where Paul had evangelized and helped to start a church. And Timothy, again a young man, he did more than just pastor that church in Ephesus. Uh, if you study the New Testament, you, you, can pretty, pretty, uh, you can very quickly realize that Timothy was like a pastor to pastors, that his church in Ephesus ended up being kind of a hub for church planting in all types of regions, uh, in all types of cities that, that surrounded that particular area. And so young Timothy was not just a pastor, he was like a pastor to pastors, an encourager. Uh, he was a, a trusted companion of the Apostle Paul who was, a, who was a missionary to the Gentiles. So obviously there's some good things that we could say about a guy like that. There's some, some positive things that we could say about his character and about his work in God's kingdom. But the thing that jumps out to me the most is that he affirms Timothy for having a sincere faith. A sincere faith. That's the title of my message today, is a sincere faith. Because faith should be the goal of a Christian parent. This should be the absolute goal that we want to see happen in our kids. Now, most parents have goals for their kids. You have goals for their kids. If you're a good parent, if you're an okay parent, if you're a decent parent, if you're a great parent, you probably have some measure of goals, something that you want to happen in the life of your kid. Now, I asked you earlier, what, what is your goal for your children? Um, or, or what is your vision for your children, rather? Well, vision and goals are kind of the same thing. When they're kids, we just kind of have a a vision and a goal that maybe they might just walk, maybe they might pull up and crawl, uh, maybe they might be able to hold down their food and not spit up, or maybe they could get rid of their jaundice or whatever it is that's going on. And then, and then we want them to speak. That's a goal, right? You get your camera out and you just can't wait until say they say that first word, which of course we always know is dada uh, because it's easier to say. Or maybe when they walk, we just can't wait till they start walking. You know, you kind of have that as a goal. And then once they get older, then you start setting some real goals, right? It's like, I want them to make good grades, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's, us that's usually a biggie. Like even, even when, they were there, when they were there in elementary school, you know, we want, them to, we want them to make good grades. Or then how about this? We want them to be athletic, right? So we push them and we, we drive them towards that. Oh, we want them to grow up and have a good job. We want them to be successful. And if we're Christian, here's some of the Christian goals that we normally have. I want them to be moral. I want them to be religious. I want them to have the right beliefs. And so what we do with these goals is we drive our kids towards those goals. That's what we do as parents. We drive, we drive them towards those goals. And I, I think if there are three common goals that we sometimes see with parents, uh, first, would, uh, first would be academics. That was a biggie when I was growing up. Study. I cannot tell you how many times 
when I was when I was younger, when I would be in church, I would hear that the I would hear the verse quoted. You know, study to you know to show thyself approved. You know, sometimes so sometimes we do that. We want you to study academics, making good grades, and so we we drive our kids towards that. Or maybe it's athletics. Uh, some parents, this is just a, a, a biggie. Like, want to drive them. You know, they got to be the starting quarterback. You know, they got to they got to be on varsity, and we so we drive them real, real, real hard. Or maybe here's here's a third one that's a, that's a common driver that we see in parents uh, would be success, worldly success. So we want them to work hard. We want them to have a strong work ethic. You know, we want them to get jobs early so they can grow up and they can learn what they want to do with their life and they can have a great job, be successful, and have money. I want to suggest to you today that those goals, as noble as they are and as fine as they are, they fall short of the goals that we need to have for our kids. I mean, after all, if you think about the ultimate end of academics, full-orbed academics, well, what do you have? You have, well, you have Ivy League liberalism. I don't think we really want that for our kids. Uh, you think that, that the end goal of athletics, I mean, look at pro athletes, not exactly role models. Look at some of the richest, most successful people with the greatest jobs in the world. And you probably also find with it some people that don't adopt Christian values. So I want to suggest to you today that faith development must be our primary driver upon our kids. And I don't mean that I don't mean that you I don't mean that you that you force Christianity upon them. I don't mean that you cram it down their throats, so, so to speak, but all of us are going to drive our kids towards something. If we love them, care about them, if we want to discipline them, we're going to drive them, point them, push them towards something. And I want to suggest to you today that them having a sincere faith is what we're looking for. Now, what is a sincere faith? A faith, a sincere faith is more than just them getting baptized more than just them having a religious routine, more than just them becoming moral and believing the right things. That is not necessarily what we're talking about when we're talking about a sincere faith. The Bible says that it is impossible to please God without faith. So um, I, I, it makes sense that faith is what makes a Christian Christian, right? Not, not their morals or their beliefs or their religious routines. Faith is what makes a Christian Christian. And we can try to push them into patterns of organized religion. But if we do that and we don't end up nurturing a faith in Christ, then we're going to fall short in that. And so what does that look like? I, I think full-orbed discipleship where Jesus is first in everything is the type of faith that we want to see in our kids. Luke chapter 14, look what these verses say. Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now there's a sermon in that verse just alone. But he says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So therefore, anyone of you who does not renounce all he has 
cannot be my disciple. When we think about a sincere faith that exists in a Christian, we're talking about someone that their faith in Jesus is a priority over everything. It supersedes academics, it supersedes athletics, it supersedes, you know, making good grades and getting a good job and, and, and growing up and, and being successful. When we, when we see this level of discipleship that Jesus called for, that, that a level of discipleship that is supposed to be more important than their own father and mother and wife and children and brothers, a, a type of discipleship that is prioritized over everything, to me, this gives us an image of the type of faith that we want them to have. And I think here's the problem that some, some of the mistakes that we make as parents is we, we think that we can just have them believe the right things and go through the right religious processes that somehow, maybe, faith will take. The problem is, there's some of you here today who have had older children that you've taken through all these processes, and maybe they're wayward, and maybe, maybe they don't walk with Jesus, and they don't love the Lord. For some reason, and, and, and maybe through no fault of your own as a parent, but for some reason, they, you tried to get them to adopt religion, but they never really had true faith. And that's what we want to try to focus. Now, we can't, we can't give them. They, they ultimately have to make the decision to love Jesus. You can do everything right as a parent, and still maybe, maybe they, will, they will go wayward. But we've got to focus on things that will bring about faith development. So next, uh, next week, let me just give you a little, a little prequel for next week. Next week, I'm going to look uh, at Deuteronomy chapter 6, and I'm going to give you kind of two expressions of a sincere faith. And so uh, uh, that's, uh, I, I hope you'll come back to hear that. I know that some of you might be traveling for Thanksgiving or whatever, but Deuteronomy 6 is such a key passage on, on this. So where do our kids end up finding faith like how does how, how does that happen do we just dump them off in church do we just kind of sling a bible at them and say hey read it every night before bed i mean how, where where do they where do they find that faith well faith should be modeled by a christian parent and this is where verse 5 really struck me as I was preparing for this series. Timothy had a parent and Timothy had a grandparent that possessed and lived out a sincere faith. They didn't try to get him to embrace a certain system of beliefs of religion. They lived out and modeled for Timothy a sincere faith. And this is, this is sometimes of the mistake we make, we, we, want, we want our kids to live out our Christian values, but if they don't have the sincere faith, if they don't really believe it, if they don't really trust Christ, if they don't really know Him, they don't have the power to live out the Christian life. Well, Timothy, from infancy, had been taught by these ladies. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. 
um, uh, Paul says that from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings or the scriptures or what you and I would call the Old Testament. And that's what made him wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. And you had these two women, his mom and his grandmother, who lived out this faith and nurtured this faith in Timothy. Can I tell you that this is my personal story? Uh, Timothy had a father who was not a believer, and he had a mother who was. I had the same experience growing up. I, I had a father who was, not a, who was not a believer and maybe had some beliefs that were okay and had a kind of a religious pattern, but really and truly he was, he, was, he was not a believer. But my mother was, and not only my mother, but my grandmother was a believer and her sister, my great aunt, were believers. The very first time that I heard the name of Jesus was not in a, Sunday, a kid's Sunday school classroom. It was in my own home when my mother talked to me about Jesus. The first time I heard the gospel was not some preacher on stage when I was sitting in a pew as a young child. The first time I heard the gospel was when my mother explained it to me. I remember uh, clearly as a child going to see my grandmother and my great aunt. My great aunt lived with my grandmother all summer. And so during summers I would go and I would, I would stay with the two of them. And every single night, without fail, before bed, every single night before bed, we would read the Bible and we would pray. And I'll be honest, as a kid, I was just ready to go to bed. I wasn't really interested in it at the time, and I didn't really hear much. I kind of zoned out, and I probably made them mad, not paying attention like, you know, young boys do. And, and then they would pray, and oh my goodness, the prayers were so, they seemed like they were so long. The prayers seemed like they were so long. But those times had a significant impact upon me. When my grandmother and my great aunt opened the Word of God every time I spent the night with them and read the Word of God over me and prayed over me, they possessed, along with my mother, a sincere, a genuine faith. And they didn't just tell me about it. They didn't delegate religious instruction to someone else. They modeled faith for me to actually see. And this is a parent's role. Now listen, I know that some of you, you got saved regardless. You, you, maybe you didn't have Christian parents. It's not like nobody can get saved unless they have Christian parents. Some of you uh, would probably give that testimony. My parents didn't believe, but I did hear the gospel from a preacher or from a Sunday school class or from a friend who shared it with me or from a missionary or something like that. But the best tool, here's my point, the best tool that a child has for becoming a Christian is a Christian parent. The most influential person over a child is the parent. Adults, there is nothing that has shaped you more than your family of origin and how you were loved or misloved, cherished or not cherished in your family of origin. It's shaping upon us. It, you, 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 just, you just can't help it. Now, obviously, there's been some other shaping influences upon you that have happened in your life, but how you grew up, what your parents did, and listen, how your parents parented you, and not just that, but who your parents were 
had an influence on you. And you, I, 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 I hear parents say this all the time. Parents, you underestimate the influence that you have over your child. You underestimate that influence uh, that you have. And uh, I, I remember one time, a long time ago, whenever I was a college pastor, before I was married, before I had kids, uh, there was a student pastor that I worked with, and we were all sitting around in staff meeting one day. And they were talking about parent stuff, and at the time I, I would just zone out during those portions of the staff meeting because I wasn't a parent. But the student pastor said something that, was, that, that I thought was so wise. He said, when I have a parent come up to me and say, hey, will you meet with my child because my child's gone wayward or there's something wrong with my child or, or my child, you know, whatever, you know, like, will you meet with my child as if will you meet with them and fix them? This particular student pastor would say, I'll be happy to meet with your child, but I would rather meet with you. I'd rather meet with you as a parent. You see, there's nothing more. You see, parenting is about parents. That's what parenting is about. It's, it's not just about the children. It's about parents being what they need to be for their kids. Now, there's no promise that your kids are going to turn out like, they, like, like you want them. There is, there is no guarantee. And I know that some of you who have already raised children, you're thinking in your mind, I, I did all that, I did the best that I could, and I modeled faith, and I taught them, and I had them at church, and they still went wayward. And look, that might not be of any fault of your own. You might have done everything perfectly, so please don't hear me saying that there is a guarantee. But the best shot that a child has at adopting your faith is for you to model that faith for them. But it's no guarantee. It's no guarantee that, that just because we dedicate a child on stage and just because you know, we take them through a process and we convince them to get baptized and you bring them at church every time the doors are open and you live the life that you should. Listen, kids go wayward. They have to make their own choices. They have to make their individual choices. But the best shot that they have at being a person of faith is if you as a parent are yourself a person of faith and they see in you Jesus as the priority. They see you driving your own life towards Christ, and they see you as a parent driving their life towards Christ as a top priority above everything. Academics, athletics, success, all of that, they see Jesus as number one in you and Jesus as number one in the way that you parent. And when you do that, there's nothing a child can't face in this life. This, this, this verse at the end of our text, verse 6, one of, my, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. It says, for this reason I remind you, he says, fan into flame the gift of God. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a self-control. You see, with faith, a child can face anything. A child can face anything. 
They can face anything academically. They can face anything athletically. They can face anything as far as success in this world. They can face anything that they might face in college. They can face anything that they might face in high school. They can face any, I mean, think about all of the problems. Adults, think about all of the problems that you have had in life. If you're a believer, if you love Jesus, and if you've been walking with him, think about all the things that you have gone through in life. What's gotten you through those things? Your faith in Jesus has gotten you through those things. And whenever we, whenever we pass that on to our children and we teach them and model for them faith, and faith is nurtured and developed in them, there's nothing that they can't face in life. And the Apostle Paul here is telling young Timothy, he said, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be scared. God's gifted you. You have power, love, self-control. Go out and do what the Lord has called you to do and live the life that God has called you to live. And, and, and don't be scared. There's so many things out there that can destroy faith. But if a child truly has a sincere faith, there's... There's a clarity that we have in Scripture about the power of that faith. Hebrews chapter 11. Read Hebrews chapter 11 sometime and look at what all of these people did because they had faith. And it mentions Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets. And it says that because of their faith, a sincere faith is what we're calling it today, that through faith, look what they did. They conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Think about the things that you've been through in life. I bet they have not been as hard as some of these things, but yet these people, because they had faith, we're able to make it through those things. And our children, if we will catch a vision of our children putting Jesus first and having a sincere faith, we can equip them for this world better than in any other tool, any other way, any other method out there. This is how we prepare our children for life. We nurture a faith inside of them. So I said before, you know, I've got six kids. Most of you know that. And uh, we've been homeschooling our kids for many years. Let, let, me correct, let me correct myself. Kelly has been homeschooling our kids. I get to come to the office every day. I get an escape. Uh, she, has, she has to work at home uh, with, with, with all those little minions. Uh, and she does, she does a great job. Her job is a lot harder than mine, hands down. But, you know, we, 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 we prayed through this, and I always thought that I would be the cool, permissive dad, you know, growing up. I was like, man, I'm going to be, I'm going to let my kids do this, do that. I'm not going to be that kind of parent. I'm going to, you know, be this cool, permissive man. I, I don't know what happened, but I turned into a helicopter parent, you know. You know, just ask my kids, they'll tell you. And, and, and mama, too, both of us. And so we decided that we wanted to homeschool our kids uh, really for the main reason that we wanted to be around them more. 
Like we wanted to be with them and around them more than anybody else. We wanted them to grow up with more time with us than any place else. We also, you know, had this uh, had had a desire to be have have more of a direct influence over what they were taught, uh, and also to protect them maybe from some some peer pressure and, and some stuff like that. And so, but as they started getting older, and as kids get older. It doesn't matter your education choice. I mean, as they get older, eventually the world gets access to them, and they get access to the world. It just happens. They start driving. They get a cell phone. They use the Internet. They make friends that maybe you don't know about. They start, you just, but it's just, a, it's just a matter of time. And I remember when I began to feel that as a parent. I remember, like, we had, them, we had them in our bubble. We knew all of their friends, and they were, you know, we were controlling what they were taught, and we were around them every moment, and we all, it, it, I mean, we were just right. But then as they started getting older, and I started to realize that, I started to realize that you, you can't shelter your kids to where they will never face any hardship, that they'll never be around any negative influence, that they'll never have access to being taught something that they shouldn't, that they'll never come a time that way they want to spend time with other people rather than mom and dad. It's just a matter of time. And I remember I started to get nervous about that. And I, 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 started, I, I just started really, really praying about that very hard. God gave me a verse of Scripture, and I never will forget it. I never will forget where I was. I was, I was sitting in my truck, and I never, I, never will, I never will forget where I was and what. He gave me, gave me the scripture that, ironically, I read in my quiet time last week. 1 John chapter 4, 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And the Lord spoke to my heart, and, and I'll paraphrase what God said. He spoke to my heart and he said, you know what? If that kid knows Jesus and loves Jesus and has faith in me and clings to me, I'm going to cling to him and he's going to cling to me. And you don't have to be so overly concerned that somehow Satan is just going to snatch him away. And... I thought, you know, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to try to protect my child. That doesn't mean that somehow I'm going to all of a sudden never be a helicopter pilot again. But there's something about what the Lord spoke to me about that is that if I will focus on training them in godliness as my top priority, if I will focus on doing things that will help them to see my faith and focus on things that will help to nurture faith in them, that's the best shot that they have. And if I, if I can't do that, there's no amount of religious instruction, no amount of moral training. There's, there's just, that's, that's the best shot that we have. It's the best goal that we can have is that they have a sincere faith. And the best shot that they have of having a sincere faith is if I have it. You know, I said this during marriage, during the marriage series, past three weeks, and I've said this many times. Marriage is not about relationship. It's about discipleship. It's about discipleship. I think parenting is the same thing. 
parenting is not so much about discipline and nurture as much as it is about my personal discipleship. If I can love the Lord, and if I can act like the Lord, and I can have His character, that's the best thing I can do for my kids. That's the best thing I can do for anybody, is just to be godly. And if I can do it, then it's something that can be reproduced in them. And so my question to you today is, how is your faith? How sincere is your faith? Is your life being driven towards Christ above everything else? And are your, are your kids witnessing that? Are, are, are they seeing that?